Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Thousands of hours of research and manpower into the status of education in our nation has produced some fascinating results. One of our nation's most focused think tanks, CARDIS, feels education is the most crucial battleground to insist upon truth and free thinking. My guest today will explain what this all means for the upcoming generation of Canadians. Thanks for being with me, David. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell me quickly, what is, what is CARDIS? And because uh, you work with them, correct? Yeah, so Car CARDIS is a think tank. And for those that don't know the, the think tank world, we kind of, I guess you could say, if you think of it an intersection or a roundabout, on, on one spoke, you got government policy, another spoke, you got academic research, another spoke, you got media and public narrative. So we're right at the middle of all of that as a think tank, but where CARDIS is unique is we're the only Christian think tank uh, in Canada. And so as a result, we're very interested in culture and very interested in civil society and impacting and, and, and feeding academic research, government policy and media narrative the best that we can. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, you guys have been doing a lot of uh, research and studies on education. Yes. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit. Um, like, talk to me just kind of in a big look, 50,000 square uh, miles high. What, what's going on in education now that we're living in a post-pandemic uh, society? Has education really taken a hit? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. A number of ways that we could respond to that. Yes, it, it, the pandemic, like the worst hit space was education. You think of one, one way that it's, it's been termed is you have, students have been described in terms of there's three buckets. So those who are in in-person education, uh, you know, in, in a school room, in a classroom is bucket one. Those who are online would be bucket two, but what very few we're talking about is bucket three. Those who didn't have internet access or at home, Perhaps things were complicated at home. Perhaps they didn't have a good home life, so they couldn't participate in remote learning at, like everyone else. And right. Wide. You're looking at half a billion students that are in that third category. In England, they're calling them ghost children. Here in Canada, it's probably 300,000 students that are unaccounted for in this last, what, two years has it been? Oh, two and a half years? Education of any, of any space in terms of how COVID policies have affected uh, life, education is probably the, the worst hit for sure. And that open, opens up opportunity because that's exposed cracks in the public system that were already there, but, it, but of course put them on steroids. And then too, show, showed parents there are alternatives, whether that's in Christian school, whether that's homeschool, whether it's something totally different and unique. So yeah, no, no, that definitely the educational landscape has changed and I think will continue to change uh, because of the COVID policies that we had the last few years. Yeah, you'd think that parents, you know, a lot, so many parents are just glad that their kids go to school and they get okay marks. I think this must have caused parents to really take an active role as they see what's going on. I've talked to some parents who just say like, watching my kid online and seeing what they're learning, and some didn't like it, some were impressed with the schools they were in. Um, but as you're saying, a lot of kids have fallen through the cracks. Yes, and also the content of what's being taught or not being taught. Um, and again, every jurisdiction was different. There are definitely teachers that worked around the clock and were yeah. absolute all-stars there definitely there's there's some amazing stories out there yes. so let's, let's not let, let's let's be careful but for, for a lot yeah there was there was little education going on and in some cases i think parents have been exposed to what is being taught um in in many schools and there's definitely yeah some some flags that have been raised let's just say it that way 
All right, so let's take a look at some of this stuff. Um, independent schools and public schools, as you're looking at them, uh, who got hit the hardest, you know, maybe who responded well in what areas. Talk to me a little bit about them, independent and public schools. Yeah, so it depends what audience we're talking to, what, what jurisdiction we're in. Every jurisdiction was different. There were some places like, I don't know what the school district is called, but up in Grand Prairie, for example, they were all stars. There you had, um, in, in the public school system, in, in the Grand Prairie area, you had reading and math. You, you, you had students advancing. I'm hoping to do a, a, a report on this soon. Advancing almost two years in terms of the quality of education that was out there. But that's one of the only success stories that you have in the public space. Places like Ontario, it was a total disaster. Probably the worst jurisdiction in all of North America in terms of how often schools were closed, how little response there was, how little education was actually going on. Then if we look at the Christian education space, we did uh, two studies okay. looking at uh, samples in Ontario of the Christian schools sector and seeing how did, how did Christian schools respond to the pandemic and what's, and, and, and the funny thing is, is we, we report on this for Ontario, but schools in, in BC, Alberta, Manitoba, people have told me this is happening all, all over, but in the Christian school space, 48%, so half of schools did not miss a single day. The lockdown began heading into spring break. So over spring break, you had teachers and administration working around the clock to make sure they got up on remote, uh, got online, and so that half of schools, uh, half of students didn't miss a single day, and 84% of schools missed less than four days. So a very rapid, very nimble response. And then if you look at then what continued, the quality of the education, there was guidelines given by the Ministry of Education. They were doing, on average, at least double what, what those requirements were. So the education in the Christian space, it, it, it didn't take the same hit. And so as you would wow. expect, enrollment, enrollment's gone up inquiries into those schools, as you would expect, of course, uh, have gone up as a result. So a very, very different response in the different sectors. So how bad was it in some of the public school spaces? Like I've talked, I've got families who are teachers, uh, family members, and and I mean, I don't even know where to start because I mean, it's not my area, but it was, even if they went, there wasn't much happening and it was just, it was bad. No, and, and I and I shouldn't have laughed there. That was that was a gut in response, but the reality is it's that's actually tragic. Yeah. Because what's happened to these kids, like this is affecting a whole generation. Yep. And we're gonna really see the effects of this 20, 30, 40 years from now. Uh and even, even things like there's one one study I was briefly looking at a few weeks ago, but around life expectancy and how when when you've uh, the kind of stuff that's gone down in, in, in the education space, it's there's projections you're going to see life expectancy decrease when this generation is coming up, which is the generation of my kids. So how we we are still we're in the weeds of that. There's some studies we're doing at the moment uh, in that respect, but the reality is there's there's tons of anecdotes. There's very little empirical evidence at this point. But we're, so why we're, what do you okay? I got to ask this question then. So what I'm hearing you say, or correct me if I'm wrong, is that because of how we've handled education, it's shortening lifespan. Well, because you have a strong correlation between so how well you live. So human flourishing is directly correlated with education. Ah. So if, if you if you can't read, for example, or, or you really struggle in right. reading, writing, arithmetic, you're going to really struggle in terms of your career prospects and even, even things like, like marriage stability. Uh, all those things are correlated because you, you have someone who struggles yeah, in their career that then carries over into their family life. Mm-hmm. And diet, all the rest of it. So no, there's 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 tons of research showing a very strong correlation between academic outcomes and life expectancy and quality of life. So 
what we've seen the last two, three years where kids are not being educated. And in Canada, where there's 300,000 students unaccounted for that haven't, they just disappeared. Again, as, as Britain's calling ghost children, what's gonna happen to those kids? And there will be, of course, again, over the next 40 years, there's gonna be tons and tons of research looking back on this, but the total disaster uh, in terms of government response, but also too, as, as you would, you know, government overreach. Yep. And, yep. and yeah, a, to a totally inappropriate response to the situation that was at hand. Talk to me about woke curriculum. This, during the last couple of years, this really has been a word that has risen up. I don't think a lot of people still understand what that means, what that is. Um, what should concerned parents know about what is going on in the public school system, universities, wherever, when it comes to woke curriculum? Yeah, so th this one, we, we haven't done a ton of research on this space because there's so many others that, that are speaking to this. So uh, it, it, yeah, we, so we, 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 have, we haven't done a ton in this space. Okay. One, one paper that we did do recently was we were looking at uh, how, how schools talk about religion, how curriculum talks about religion. In, in uh, I believe the provinces we looked at were British Columbia, Manitoba, no Nova Scotia, and Ontario. And, and do they even talk about religion? If so, how is it presented? Uh, and, and Ontario was an outlier in a very positive way. Ontario actually, they do talk about religion throughout the curriculum. It's, it's either neutral or even sometimes positive. In Nova Scotia, it's almost always neutral, but in Manitoba and British Columbia, BC where I'm from, uh, religion is first of all, almost never ever talked about in the curriculum. And when it is, uh, it may be neutral, but it's typically negative, and it's really at arm's length. Like it's this historical uh, like artifact, if you will. But what's interesting is indigenous spirituality is seen as a positive, and that's talked about. But yet, it, it really, it's it, it's not an accurate representation of indigenous Canadians, as as you and I know. The mm -hmm. large majority of indigenous Canadians are Christian. Stats Canada says two thirds. Uh, two thirds of indigenous Canadians self-identify as Christian. Only four and a half percent, so less than one in twenty, identify as indigenous, some form of, of Aboriginal spirituality. So, for the curriculum to portray that as the norm and Christianity to be seen as this artifact, you know, colonial, this, this colonial artifact, very inaccurate. And so, that's with with all the woke stuff. It's it's really, it's it's. It, often it has to do with the, the how Christianity is portrayed and inaccurately portrayed or just religions outright not talked about. Let's talk a little bit about schooling and the kinds of schooling. You're talking about homeschooling, unschooling, pod schooling. Um, I'm hearing different terms like that. What does the landscape look like for parents yeah. as to what should they okay. be doing with their kids? Sure, sure. Okay, so we have a really, uh, really cool paper coming out. Uh, hopefully, hopefully this year, I'm just wrapping it up. We're working on the final draft, looking at it again. This is in Ontario. But looking at how diverse the non-government school landscape is, um, it's 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 extraordinarily diverse. And this is, of course, the case actually in every province. In places like Alberta, you, uh, you've seen homeschool uh, enrollment more than double since since the pandemic, and that's that's kind of standard across North America. But then, what does that even look like? So, in the homeschool community, in particular, these aren't these aren't kids just you know at the kitchen table or 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 in a, in a bedroom all by themselves all day. Work, working on, on whatever. No, what's standard is cooperatives where you get multiple families together, they meet together, maybe it's on Wednesday, they, they'll do some sports together, maybe okay. on Friday. You you have different parents that specialize um, in, in different subjects. So 
and then th they'll take a few hours with with the children but the amount the amount of socialization and community that you have in the homeschool community it's it's extraordinary and then of course learning pods which tend to be more teacher driven than parent or student driven where it's teachers that were very frustrated with the lack of education happening in the public system during lockdowns who, who said hey we got to find alternatives and so once things opened up they said hey let's we, we have expertise we, we we know how to teach let's start these little pods uh, and they're, they tend to be kind of like micro schools. So the, the one the one room schoolhouse sort of concept is, is coming back. And there's a lot of those, again, all, all over the place. But for parents, you got to find the right fit. And yeah. that's what it comes down. Every kid is different. And, so for and, pods, do they go to the pod or is it just online or both? No, no, primary, no, no those would be prim primarily in person. Often they're happening in church basements. They may not be, they're rarely affiliated with the church, right. but usually in church basements, they'll be meeting in person typically somewhere between 20 to 30 kids, usually. Typically a learning pod, it's, it's a teacher or two or three teachers that really care about education, really love kids and are really frustrated with, with where they're at professionally, although they're being paid well, they, they wanna teach kids. So they, they've organized, um, similar to a homeschool co-op, um, kind of like a, a micro mini school, but where you come, it's typically Monday to Friday for learning pods, whereas a homeschool co-op You'd have one, two, maybe three days a week. Parents are coming together, and a homeschool co-op is going to be parent-driven. Uh, we're, 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 yeah, pa parents are, are leading all the content, whereas a learning pod tends to be teachers who okay. have left the system who are leading it. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, so then legally, you would sign your, your kids are going to school when it comes to the pod schooling. So, and that's where it gets fishy. So, uh. and there, there's a bit of a regu regulatory gray zone Yep. Where often with learning pods, they are registered as homeschool okay. families, school kids. Right. And so it may be half a day they're going. Um, yeah. Like again, the regulations on even what a school is, that that needs to be updated, frankly, in virtually yeah. every province. So people like when I talk, I chat with parents all the time uh, yeah. about the schooling stuff, and I, and so I hear it from people like, for example, there is no way I could homeschool my child. I mean, when I look at the math in junior high, they'll say, or when, you know, I can't even remember uh, what a participle is or, you know. Uh, so f I, let's just kind of digress a little bit. So for homeschooling, for those who don't know anything about it, there is a ton of help to those who want to be starting homeschooling. And it's not as much time as a normal school. What would be some of your pluses for homeschooling? Yeah, no, you're right. There's a ton of resources and the amount of communities out there even just hop on facebook the amount of facebook groups dedicated to homeschooling and i i can almost guarantee wherever you're from there's going to be one in your community or, or somewhere nearby uh, a bunch of parents that are are switched on uh that are that are that have already done the legwork to find okay here's great curriculum here's great approaches so the big thing is get plugged into a community. That would be my advice, is, is find a community of, of, of parents. Because yeah. you need community. Are there community. any, community. Ha, have you noticed any, like for me, it would kind of be like, are, have you noticed any Christian schools that have teamed up with homeschooling parents? Oh yeah. yeah. What does that blend look like? Yeah, so so they're, they're, typically they're called hybrid schools. Uh, the technical name out in British Columbia here is distributed learning schools. Okay. So what you so the uh, one one Christian school that's at, at, at my church, um, K to twelve school, but then they also have uh, a distributed distributed learning school 
where students come one or two days a week. They'll be with a teacher who's, who's a certified teacher for, for that day or two. The rest of the time they're, they're at home homeschooling. In, and there is, in, in classrooms or in their own unique classrooms? No. So, in, so they'll, they'll come into a classroom setting. Um, now the distributed, in this particular case, the distributed learning school is separate from, from the main school that they have their own separate rooms. Okay. You will come, you're part of the classroom. It's the same kids that you're with every Friday or Wednesday, whatever it is. You come together. It is a classroom setting for one or two days. The other days you're at home, but even being at home, the parents aren't on their own. You have, you have a supervisor who, who checks in in a very, um, a, a, a very appropriate way to, to come alongside parents and make sure right. students are being educated. Is there some uh, kind of a fee? Because one of the problems for, for Christian schools is always the finances, trying to finance yes, it. Yes. Uh, yes so is there yes. a much smaller amount they pay or what have you noticed amongst the Christian schools that are doing hybrid stuff with homeschools? Yeah, substantially lower fees. Yes. Substantially lower fees. And then it depends what province you're in. If you're in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, or Quebec, uh, there is uh, government funding as well. Um, it's, 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 it's partial funding. Um, but about about half the costs in most of those provinces are are covered. Um, in Ontario, that's not the case. But again, for a, for a hybrid school, the costs are substantially less. And and the reality is, we we can afford what we prioritize. Um, e, e, even a lower middle class or, or or working class family, the things that really matter to you, you make it happen. And the education of your kids, I would argue, is is one of the most, if not the most important thing. And where there's a will, there's a way, and hybrid schools do tend to be much, much more affordable and something that even a working class family can afford. That sounds excellent. Yeah, that I think there, as you look at what's been happening, you'd think that people and their creative ability would begin to figure out systems to manage and to handle uh, both groups, the groups who want them to leave for the day and, and get full-on teacher attention and those that can afford maybe the yeah. one or two days. I've almost noticed that there's this void in our schools about teaching children what is democracy, what is freedom, where do we get freedom, what is, you know, you know, what is capitalism or, or free enterprise? Like some of yeah. these things, it's almost like they don't know anything about it. Has it been removed from our schools and our universities? Not not removed, but it's not emphasized the way it ought to be. Let's yeah, say like it. citizenship. Yeah, and, and what does that mean? What does that look like? What is good citizenship? Yeah. And we got to get away, first and foremost, from the myth of neutrality. Part of the problem in, in our schools, our, our secular public system, is there's this myth of neutrality and that we're going to scrape morality from the curriculum and what the good is. So what does it mean to be a good citizen? I can't say, well, this is better than that. Well, no, no. All education is formation. So all education is preaching some form of morality. All of it. Mm -hmm. and say otherwise is is, is 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 to be either ignorant or, or to be dishonest. So then it's what is the good, and that's where Cars's research. We're we're really big on outcomes, and let's look at outcomes. Let's look at what yes. leads to human flourishing, and in terms of citizenship, what leads to social cohesion, what leads to respectful, appropriate disagreement, where we can navigate right. differences and respect our differences, and that's where uh, there's so much research on this. Like you have. Uh, 34, 35, maybe even 36 very credible studies that have looked at what schools do the best job of forming good citizens and the, the things we just we just finished talking about. And of those studies, so you got 86 
separate statistically significant findings. Of those 86, 50 of them, five zero, so the large majority find positive effects for independent schools, where independent schools do a, a statistically significant better job than any other school informing good citizens. 30 studies find neutral effects, only three. There's only, there's only three findings that show a, a, a state advantage. And that's the argument we always hear for, for public for public schools is, well, no, no, if we're gonna have a, a cohesive citizenry, well, everyone's gotta be going to the same school. And, and it was called the, back in the day was the, the common school. It's like, no, no, the, the, the research shows the opposite. And if you think just intuitively, like if I'm at the playground with, with my kids and I bump into another parent, well, where do you start the conversation? It's, oh, what, what do you do? You start talk, talking about work guaranteed and especially in my case they do something different than i do so i got a bunch of questions i learn about them they learn about my work they're like hey that's interesting and it's our differences that make for super interesting conversation they're like hey you know come to my place for a barbecue let's chat some more and in terms of schools it's no it's no different where when schools are unique and different and and families are are allowed to self-sort and different students are allowed to go where they thrive and where they fit it leads to a more cohesive and a more harmonious society. The evidence is overwhelming on that. Probably the only uh, attack I've heard on Christian schools has been, well, I, I want my kids to be raised in the real world so they know how right. to uh, handle temptation and understand. Does that have any credence to it? Okay, so here, so here, it's funny you say that because I was just thinking, what, how old was Jesus? God himself, how old was he when he entered his ministry? How old was he when he finally said, no, now I'm going to step into this role. And how old was he? Now, yes, when he, when he was 12, what was he doing? He was in the temple debating the rabbis, debating the leaders. He was in the church debating pastors. It wasn't until he was 30 that he went into the world and launched into his ministry. Kids, are kids really prepared for that? Are they really equipped for that? Education is formation. So who is forming your kids? Hmm. Are your kids, and the way my, my, the way I like to say it is, are your kids missionaries or are they the mission field? And I think more often than not, your kids are actually the mission field. Yeah, that's true. The, uh, I remember my mom and dad, and uh, they would have company over. And the better the evening that they had with, you know, the coffee and food, was how good the debates were. And sure. they'd even get emotional. I mean, they'd, they'd take their point, but there was such acceptance and respect that it made for a great conversation. You can only talk about something, you know, I totally agree, I totally agree, I totally yeah. agree, so long, and it's just yeah. boring. And I've noticed as well that great minds treasure conversations yes. where someone is holding you to task on something. You know, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about that men, people are like the deep well, and it's the questions. It's questioning them that brings yes, out the best. Draws it out. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. No, no, exactly, exactly. Well, and even, even too, and, and what is education? Is education not conversation between the generations? So in, in terms of in, in real time in a classroom, a different generation teaching a different generation, okay. But then also too, what, what happens when you open a book? Like my favorite books tend to be hundreds if not thousands of years old. And it's conversation. If you're engaging with that work and you're really processing what is it I'm learning from this, it's a conversation with the generation. So that's exactly what education is. Of the questions I get asked probably the most from parents with kids, is they are really struggling. Do I even send my kid 
to university, and they're, they're talking about the secular universities when they yeah, see yeah. what is going on. I mean, 30 years ago there were studies, I think it was one of the, uh, was it the PAOC or one of them in Canada that they were losing over 80% of their young people who no longer yeah. believed the Bible was the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, once they'd hit university. So is there any answers? What are you seeing out there? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that, that's a big one. And the way I would tackle that one is, again, education is formation and how well-formed are your kids before they're getting into university? Like, they're not kids at that point. Like, once they're going off to yes. university. And who, who primarily has responsibility for the education of children? It's mom and dad. And again, the evidence on this is overwhelming. You take the most robust, the largest studies that have ever been yes. done that show that the education outcomes of a kid and the trajectory of a kid by a mile, the, the primary influence, the biggest influence is mom and dad yep. and who, who your parents are. And number two would then be teachers. So in terms of your own children, are they well-formed at home so that they can go well? Because in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, we, uh, I, like to, I used to like to em emphasize go go right yeah. uh, into all the world but what's if we look in the greek what's the real emphasis there it's make disciples teaching them to obey everything i've commanded them make disciples teaching them to obey so have your children been formed as disciples of christ to obey everything he's commanded if the answer is no and with that study where it says 80 percent walk away well i would argue they didn't really walk away because were they even formed were they <laughs> yeah Right. Yep. And, and so, and, and so, my experience in secular university, I, I, I my, all my degrees have been in, in secular institutions. I, I loved it. I thrived, because by the time I answered, I, I was ready for those debates. I was ready for that engagement, and I loved to have my faith challenged. I loved it yep. because I had to refine what do I believe in, and even what the show is called, like reason. So, John chapter one: In the beginning was the word. The word with God. Well, what's that word there? Logos is the word where, where we get logic from. The word the Greeks called reason. In the beginning was reason. Reason was with God. Reason was God. There's nothing that God has done that's that's arbitrary, right? That's why math. We can discover mathematics. We can discover science. We're exploring the mind of God in all of those fields. In the beginning was reason. So, as a believer, I I never have to be nervous uh, around. An, an antagonistic, hostile, atheistic professor that wants to ex expose or, 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 or diminish my faith. No, the God I serve is the, is the God of logic, yeah. is the God of reason. And, our, our, and so equipping young people, I think that's something that all of us need to do a better job of, it, first in our own homes, then also in the church, yes. is arming young people. The word disciple, a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, we know that if you teach your children disciplines uh, at, at a young age, it's a hundred times easier than a full-grown yeah. adult undisciplined in these yeah. areas yeah. trying yeah. to become disciplined. So it's a great, yes. one of the greatest gifts yes. you can give yes. your children is, is to help them get disciplined in the beautiful uh, teachings of the Bible. Yes. Yes, and, and 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 touching on that, one study we didn't talk about that's one of, I think, one of our best recently done studies is looking at the, the, the importance of a good fit in the K-12 education. So it's it's going out of your way, not being complacent, but finding a school that's a good fit. And we specifically looked at religious affiliation. And if a student uh, who's, who's whether Pentecostal or Baptist or, or whatever, Catholic goes to, or even Muslim, goes to a school that reflects what's being taught at home, what's being taught church on Sunday, those students had had significantly 
better math and reading performance. And so in terms of preparing your kids for university, the best place to do that is in a school of good fit or a homeschool co-op of good fit, where the values of the home are being reflected in what they're learning and it will make a difference uh, across the board so that they're ready when they enter university to, to, to not only survive, but to thrive, absolutely thrive in that environment. Man, our time is up. That's been so good. Thank you for being my guest today, David. This has been oh, excellent. My pleasure. Looking my pleasure. at this, and uh, I want, I'd like to talk again. So we'll we'll set something up, and we'll dive into this area because it is a big issue right now to all of these these parents. And I love what you closed with there, that parents cannot abdicate when it comes yeah. to the education of their children. If you've got parents. Uh, who are excited about education, excited about you know the disciplines of Christ, teaching the Word, and it's not just, oh man, you can help your kids become amazing, and they will yeah. thrive anywhere when they grow up. So thank yes. you so much for being with us today. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.